living water later on. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you for our salvation. It's the foundation of everything in our life. What you did on that cross set us on a completely different course in our lives. It took hold of us and grappled with us. And it changed us. You came along and you changed us. That's why we sing thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did in our lives. Because we see in the cross everything that was in your heart that you wanted to bring us to yourself and have relationship with us and set us free from ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Open our eyes to see more of what you've done this morning. Hallelujah. I want to read a little story. It's prompted a bit by something Dan said. Dan now wakes up. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) Dan said. He talked about Jesus. And Jesus had his heart set and his mind set like a flint, it says, when he went to Jerusalem. His whole being was to do God's will. That was all he came to do, what Father said. And so often, people tried to get him off it. You see, Peter tried to, didn't he? He said, don't you dare go there. Don't you say that. You're going to go and die. No, you might. Jesus was really harsh with him. And he's harsh here with a man. Because if we look in Mark chapter 1, I'm going to start with Mark chapter 1, just to give you a bit of background where we're going. And uh, in verse 36... Where shall we start? Well, he'd healed, in verse 34, he'd healed many that were sick with various diseases. He cast lots of devils and he suffered the devils not to speak because they knew him. The devils knew him, but Pharisees didn't seem to know him. Yeah. And in the morning he rose up great while before day and there he went to a solitary place and prayed. And Simon, and they, which is, this is verse 36, and they were with him, followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek for you. Everybody wants you. And he said, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Jesus came to preach the gospel. Paul says, Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Paul says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's the gospel. What Jesus preached was the gospel. And that's what his main thing was. And he wants us to be the same. He wants us to be the same. Not just with this, these, the tongue, but with our life. So he preached in their synagogues, verse 39, and he cast out many devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now if we look in Luke at the same chapter, It says he was full of leprosy. It was absolutely taken over his whole body. Bits were falling off him. And that's what happens when you have leprosy. Your bits start falling, your skin completely, everything starts breaking down and your bits fall off your toes, your feet. Don't have it in there. We don't see it much now. But it was incurable for for, for many years. And bits fall off people. It's so insidious. It's something inside you that you suddenly get a little bit of a scab. Or something happens and then you it doesn't go away it's just like, like, like we have cancer today, it's inside and it causes devastation doesn't it 
And so this man was full of leprosy. And he said to Jesus, he knelt down to Jesus and he said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed from the leprosy. And then he says, he straightly charged him and forth him sent him away. Now the word straightly charged, there is a very forceful word. It's actually the same type of idea on word. And it says that Jesus was driven into the wilderness after his, after his uh, baptism. He was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. He probably didn't want to go into the wilderness, but he was driven into there. And he was really very strong. And you'll see why Jesus was very strong. He said, he sent him away. And this is what he said. See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for the cleansing those things which Moses commanded. What for? For a testimony unto them. So it was to go to the priests for a testimony. Now why was that? Well, if we look in the Bible, we see the first person we read who had leprosy was Moses. God had it as a testimony to the people. So he said, put your hand in your cloak. That's when he was, after he was been, saw Jesus, God at the thing, and God was talking to him, and he said, they won't listen to me. And he said, put your hand in your cloak. And he took it out, and it was leprous. And he put it back in again, he took it out, and it was completely clean. It was a sign, a testimony, a witness that God was with him, and that he come from God. Miriam had leprosy because she'd, she'd spoken against God and the leprosy came upon her and God took it away when Moses prayed. And the third person who had leprosy was Naaman, who wasn't, he was a Syrian and he got baptised, he got baptised himself in the liver Jordan seven times and he was cleaned, which is a picture of what Christ does for us. So those are the only three until we get to this man. So, when it shows it is a testimony, it showed that something God was on the move and something was happening, that God was moving. And it was this, his life, what he was, happened to him was to be a testimony that the one who came and who came to heal diseases was in the place, was in the country. It was him, the son of God, who'd come, the Messiah. It was a sign of the Messiah. So that was the reason he was sent. But what did he do? He does what, what of us do. But, but, like a goat, he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze this matter abroad, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in the desert places, and they came to him from everywhere. So it made him, so it was impossible for him to preach, almost, because there were so many people coming for healing. So he hadn't done what Jesus had told him to do, was to go. Now, whether he did or not, we don't know, because it doesn't actually say whether he went to them for a testimony. But that was what he was healed for. And you have been healed to be a testimony to Christ. Your life is to be a testimony to Christ, because leprosy is a picture of sin. Because it's inside us, and very soon it erupts in our lives. Anybody who has had children knows <laughs> well, there's a, an iron will behind that little sweet face. 
there's a sinfulness in there. And it comes out. And some kids, it's more, more evident than others, but it's there. And every child. It's a sin nature. And it's in us. And it needs dealing with. Because it separates us from God. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to have a look at Leviticus, what the thing was that they were supposed to see. Not only was they supposed to see what the Messiah was, that the Messiah had come and healed, and they said, I can, someone said, uh, was preaching about this many, many years ago, and he said, they must have gone, hang on, we haven't used Leviticus 14 ever. Where is it? It was hidden in the cupboard because nobody ever used it because nobody had been healed. So this was a sign to them that something different was happening. Something was on, God was on the move and Messiah was there. So it was to be a witness. So let's see for us what this is like. So let's go to Leviticus 14. Now Leviticus 14 comes after Leviticus 13, which is all about how to find out who's got leprosy. And the pauper, there's a whole list of them now, leprosy does cover a whole wide range of things. It, co it covers mould in the house and all sorts of things. But this was a mould in the person, something that was living in the person and caused them to die. And that's, that's the, that is the thing. And that's what sin does for us. It causes us to die. And it erupts and it ends up in our house and it causes the people in our house to be upset because we're upset because we're all living wrong. And it ruins everything. Sin ruins everything. Because it's in man. And we deal, what we do is we deal with the, with the, the world deals with the effects of sin, but Jesus deals with the root of sin. He changes us into a new, and we see this in this passage, we see this. So the poor leper had to live out away from everybody estranged from his family. He wasn't allowed to talk to them. He had to, everywhere he went, and if he came near anybody, he had to go out and speak unclean, unclean, unclean to warn people that what he had was contagious and that they would die if they came and had a fellowship with him and came too close. So they were so fearful of leprosy because it was such an awful thing. And that's why it was a sign about Moses, Miriam, and Naaman that God was, on, was moving in those people's lives. It was, only, it was a sign about God's moving, because it was such an awful disease, like we, like we see cancer today. Right, so let's start here, what they had to do. First of all, let's start at chapter, first four, chapter 14, Leviticus, starting at verse 1. The Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. So this is, what, this is the verses and the passage they would have to go to, to be a witness. And he shall be brought unto the priest. This is what Jesus has said, hadn't he? he said, go to the priest. But here it says, He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look and behold if the plague of leprosy has been clean. And this is what Jesus does to us. We have to move towards him. He brought to the priest. That's what the Holy Ghost brings us to the priest, Jesus. And the priest comes out of the camp to us and meets us because he calls us. And he calls us to himself and he draws us. So we see a picture there of the grace of God. And then the priest, in verse 4, shall command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. Now that does seem a very odd 
bunch of things to get together, but we'll see that all of them have a meaning. It's the priests who command it. This is what God commands. It's a, a cleansing. Now, the person was cleansed from his leprosy, but he had to be made ceremonially clean. He was still, as far as God concerned, unclean. So God loves you and he's called you and he wants to be, he's, he, he called you before the foundation of the world. He, you were called in him. But you were unclean. So he had to clean you up. And this is how he does it. So first, let's look at the first thing. The two birds. Now in fact the Hebrew is two sparrows. Not very big birds. And to the world, they're just common things. And to what happened to Jesus on that cross, to the world, is just a common thing. And it doesn't mean anything much. They're just two sparrows. But with Jesus, two sparrows means a lot. Doesn't it? He said, "Our oh, two sparrows sold for a few pence. But, for, but he says, you're worth more than two sparrows. So you are worth more than two sparrows. Now, two birds alive and clean. The sacrifice of Jesus had to be a live person, a living person. He was definitely alive. And he had to be clean. And Jesus was clean because he said, when he, when he had his baptism, behold my beloved, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was pleased with him. Him who knew no sin. Jesus never knew sin. He knew, he, he could have been, he could, had the, he had the ability to sin, but he didn't. He never sinned once, because he was the son of God, and he didn't sin. Wow, he didn't have a sin nature like us. So he was, a, he was completely clean. The next thing is, we have the wood, the cedar wood. We don't know sure whether it's actually cedar. Some say it's juniper, juniper wood, but it doesn't matter, it was wood. Now we all know what wood stands for. It can stand for two things. It can stand for humanity, and it can, in, in, when you're talking about types, it can stand for the cross. And this here, I think it speaks of the cross of Jesus Christ. It speaks of the cross of Jesus Christ. We've been singing a lot about the cross this morning, about thanking for Jesus on the cross, all those things about what Jesus did on the cross. The scarlet. Now, the scarlet is the most, for me, is the most, the key to the whole little thing here. Now, what was the scarlet? Well, we do read in Hebrews 9, 19, that it was used for cleansing. 9, 19, I'll read it. For when Moses had spoken every precept to the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet, wool, scarlet, wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people. So this was, and then saying, this is the blood of the testament which God ever joined to you. This was the first covenant Moses in the tabernacle. All right? And this is the, the cleaning of everything, getting the tabernacle ready for God to come and dwell in. And so we see the same, idea, the same picture here. And, and the, the, the interesting thing is, it, it's a few other places as well. But the scarlet, I said, was, some say it's the blood because it's red. But I want to go to somewhere else. Can you remember where we have a scarlet cord? There's, there's scarlet in the tabernacle, lots of it. It's all in the, in the veil, in, the, in the, the doors, everywhere. It's scarlet. That speaks of... 
Rahab and the window. So let's go and have a look at that little tiny story. Joshua 2, 18. And this is the key to some of this. Alan spoke about it just now, about faith. Joshua 2. We just go, don't need to read the whole story. They're going in to the promised land and before they cross over the Jordan, they send in spies and Rahab, who's a prostitute, looks after the spies and she, she um, keeps them and hides them. In verse 18, well, um, what she says, let's go back. She said to the men, they came and they were, they were, they, she hid the men when they came because they were being pursued. They, somebody had seen them. And I know that, she said, I know the Lord have given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. We heard of the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. And he goes on and that says, our hearts did melt because of the, your God. So she recognised that God was with the Israelites because he knew. And she thought, I think the good idea is to side with the God of the Israelites than to side with the people. Because even if they find out and kill me, I'm going to get killed any rate. Whatever happens, I'm going to get killed unless I side with these people. And this is my only way out. So what happens is, he says in verse 18, when they, when they said they're going to come and they're going to and, and they didn't know what was going to happen when they attacked the city. She said, when we come into this land, they shall bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou did let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father, mother, brethren, and all thy father's household home to thee. All right? And you shall not, who shall ever be that, whosoever shall go out of the doors of this house, in the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless, and what, whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. So, if they stayed in the house, which had the, the red cord coming out of the window, they were safe. And we find out the house was obviously on the, on the wall because she let them down by this red cord. Isn't that wonderful? In Hebrews 11... 31, she's mentioned as the last in the line of the people of faith. Eleven twenty-nine. Oh sorry, um let's go to thirty-one. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed, surrounded about seven days. By faith the harlot or the prostitute Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So the red cord speaks of faith, of us siding with what God says and not with what the world says. We side with God. So that's what I think the red cord means. It's a picture of us siding with God, just as like Rahab did in this story here. And then the, the next thing we have is hyssop. We'll go back to that in a minute. Hyssop. Now that was a herb. And that we, look, we read in Psalm 51, remember when David 
had gone with Bathsheba and he was found out. That's in, and he wrote Psalm 51. We read hyssop there. Psalm 51. Uh, he talks about him being washed thoroughly in verse 2. Cleanse me from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. He acknowledges his transgression. He, admits he, he says he sinned against God only. And uh, he was shaping iniquity. Then he goes in verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I will be clean. So hyssop seemed to have some idea about cleansing. And that was the same thing in Hebrews there. We saw there was a cleansing of the temple, a setting part of the temple and the people in the temple. So this hyssop talks about a cleansing. Jesus on the cross in John chapter 19 John chapter 19, 29. Well, let's go back. And after, after 28, after these things, Jesus, knowing that all things that were accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I first. And now there was a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled the sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it on his mouth. So it was a cleansing thing. It was just like a bushy thing. We don't really know what hyssop is exactly. But the picture of it is, it is to do with the cross of Christ. So they tied hyssop to the end of a stick with a sponge on it and gave it to him. Now, let's go on to verse 5 and all these things will become clear. What they do. So we've got two sparrows, cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop. So we've got five, five things. And what shall we do? And the priest should command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Now this is interesting. The word running water is, the real, the real word is living water. So it's talking about the water of Christ, the life. The water was had to come not from some standing water, but from a spring. Jesus talks about us having a spring of living water flowing in our lives, doesn't he? And this is talking about the cleansing water of Christ, that Christ was pure. Everything about him was pure. The living one, the God of heaven, living in an earthen vessel. Just like it talks about us in Corinthians, it says, doesn't it? It says that we are earthen vessels. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. So Jesus was this treasure in an earthen vessel. He was living water in an earthen vessel. So we see that he was a person and God in that little picture there. And what happened was the bird had to be killed and so the blood ran into the earthen vessel and mixed with the water. Now you know where that comes from, don't you? The blood and the water was in John's Gospel when John said, I saw him, they pierced him and what came out? He said, blood and water. So this is talking about the cross again. What would happen on the cross? Our witness is because of the cross. But how did they do this? Well, what they did was they got the hyssop and they bound it on the end of the stick, on the piece of wood, with the thread. 
with a wooden thread, they bound it on the end. So they would dip the bird in, they all hold its wings out so the wings didn't get covered in blood so it could fly, and they would dip the bird in the blood and the water and set the bird free. We'll see that a little bit later on. But the hyssop and was bound to the stick, to the cross, with the red scarlet. You see, it was by faith Rahab put that cord outside. It's by faith we are bound up with Christ. It's by faith. It's by us identifying with what happened on that cross. We are tied to Christ on that cross by the hyssop, by this red with the hyssop. We are cleansed by it all, aren't we? It's like we are purged by it because of his blood. You see? And he says, you should dip them in the, and the living bird in the blood that was killed over the living water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times. So seven talks about perfection. Seven always talks about perfection. Seven, there's loads of sevens in the Bible. Revelation is absolutely full of sevens. It's talking about the perfection of God in Christ here. And seven times, and she'll pronounce him clean and let the living bird loose into an open field. We have been set free. Our sin went on that bird and went away. The picture is that the leprosy has been cleansed, a man's been cleansed from the leprosy and from all the effects of the leprosy, which made him unclean before God, and it's been let loose and gone. Now, one of the songs talked about covering. This morning we sang that our sins are covered. No, our sin, that song's not right. Our sins were covered in the Old Testament, they were covered, but in the New Testament, they're gone. Because your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. They're in the deepest sea. They're not just covered, they've gone. They've gone like the bird has gone. Like the scapegoat is also another picture. The same picture. The scapegoat, he puts his hand on the scapegoat and the scapegoat is let free, not to be seen ever again. <laughs> That's the witness that we're completely free from our old life. This is the witness that we have, that we have a new life. Because our old life is gone. It went with the bird. <laughs> it went, the little sparrow went off into the wilderness away and took our sin and it went on to Christ and he took our sin away. He wasn't just covered, it was gone. Amazing, amazing. Our sin. Look, so what does it mean then when it talks about the hyssop tied to the wool with the scarlet thread is that we have to identify ourselves with what happened on that cross. Many times in the, in the sacrifices, they had to put their hand on the, on the animal that was going to be killed because they had to identify themselves with what was with the sin that it was going on to this animal. It wasn't coming to me. What I deserved, it wasn't coming to me, God said, I'll put it on that animal. And that's just exactly the same he did with Jesus. It doesn't come on me anymore, the judgment of God, but it goes, it went on Jesus. The judgment of God went on Jesus. We were under condemnation, weren't we? If, who, though, anybody who hasn't received Christ is under condemnation, it says in John 3. 
under condemnation. We're condemned already if we don't accept it. But we can accept this because God has moved on our lives. He's called us. Isn't that a wonderful, what a wonderful salvation we have this morning. So in Romans 6, we're going to see what we have to do. Let's look at Romans 6. This is what faith does. I shall eventually find it. Romans 6, 3 to 11. Know ye not that as many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. That was going into that blood. We were tied to it by faith. Know ye not? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. And like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, we should not serve sin. He that is dead is free from sin. Just like the bird. He's completely free from sin. Ooh. Isn't it wonderful? Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe. And here is the faith bit. We believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon or count yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the witness we have to live out. We have to reckon ourselves dead to this, everything of this world and our old life and alive to God. We're free from, it, from that, that sin because it's gone off on that bird. Never to return. Wow. A wonderful picture. Colossians 2. 10 to 13. Wow. For in, for in him, this is Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. In, which is the head of all principality and power, in also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also arisen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all, all your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of, us, out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That's the witness we have. And I'm completely free from it all. And I'm living a new life. Ephesians 2. 4 to 7. But God, 
who was rich in mercy for his great love where he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ. We're bound by that cord of faith with Christ. <laughs> We're bound to it. And have raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. You see, that he might show. We're to be a witnesses to the glory and the grace of God in our lives. To show the grace in the ages to come might show the grace and the glory of God. Wow, isn't that wonderful? In Philippians 3, 8 to 11. Yet doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them dung that I may win Christ. I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is by the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, me being made conformable unto his death, that by my anything attain to the resurrection of the dead. And he goes on. Wow. We attain to the resurrection. The living bird speaks. Now later on, we can't, I don't think we're going to get there because there's more sacrifices later which talk about that. We can't, well, I don't think we're going to have chance this morning because we're, well, I might be able to. We'll see how we get on. So we see that the cord binds us to Christ it's the call of faith. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith is a gift from God. It says, you were saved by faith, which is in fact in the next verse we read. Saved by faith. Not, not yourselves, it's a gift of God. So this faith causes us to enter in to the fullness and become a witness. So that when we meet people, they know there's something different because we have a new life in Christ. Now the new life is shown on next. If we go back to our passage in John in chapter 14. So we've let loose the bird. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp and shall tarry abroad out of the tent seven days. So he was, had to wash himself and become clean with this washing of the water. And he had to shave himself. Now this speaks of the newborn person who has no hair. It's completely shaved clean. There's no hair. Well, some babies have hair, but it speaks of a new life. It speaks of a new beginning. All that stuff, because you'll notice when you look at the Leviticus, it was something to do with the hair and the way the hair and, and the leprosy was something to do with the hair, where they changed colour and things like that. So it was shaved off so they could test to make sure, and so, and then a week later, at this point, he could come and live amongst the people, but he had to stay in a tent. Couldn't come and live with everybody. There wasn't complete cleansing. And then, in verse 8, to verse 9, and it shall be on the seventh day, 
He shall shave off all his, the hair off his head, his beard, his eyebrows, even all his hair he shall shave off. And he shall wash his clothes, and he shall, wa and he shall wash his flesh in water, and he shall be clean. So here we talk again about cleansing. Now, well, the reason for this was is because they wanted to make sure that the leprosy was completely gone. And how do we do that in our lives? We wash by the washing of the water of the word of God. That's in Ephesians 5. The word of God washes us continually so that we keep clean. It says if we sin, it talks about it, doesn't it? If we sin, we come to him and ask for forgiveness and we get washing. And the word works in our lives and washes us clean for service to God. Because it's all to do with service to God. To be a witness to what God has done in our lives. And he wants us to, and to uh, be this witness. And the only way to be this witness is to start to comprehend what happened on that cross. Where he separated us from ourselves. It's not about you anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's about him and what he does. It's about his glory. Hallelujah. We'll quickly go on because I think we can for a few minutes. So it's all right, Alan. Yep, just for, we go on. And now the next section, he has to get three lambs. On the eighth day, he should take two he lambs, this is verse 10, and one ewe lamb. Now, when you ever come to the word, the number eight, it means resurrection. So we're talking here about resurrection life. And we'll just deal with one lamb, the trespass lamb. shall be without blemish. And then there'll be a, there's a meat offering and an oil offering, but we won't talk about that. Right? So the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to make clean and those things before the Lord. So he gets all these, these together and we're just going to do one of the lambs, the, the first one, and he will take these lambs. Now what we have here is three lambs, we have some meal and for a meat offering or food offering, Mingle with oil, mixed with oil, meal mixed with oil, and a log of oil, a pint of oil. That's a lot of oil. A pint of oil. And he shall take, in verse 11, he shall, like the priest maketh him clean, shall present the man. So this is the first thing. You notice here that there's nothing about the man much at all. It's all about the priest. It's all about Jesus doing something. And Jesus presents the man, and he will kill the he will kill the lamb in verse 12. He shall take lamb, an offering for a trespass offering, and, the, and with the pint of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. Now what's a wave offering? A wave offering is interesting. We have wave offerings and heave offerings. A wave offering, if Alan comes here, normally, you read this, he Alan has a, a, a something he wants to give to the Lord and I take it with him and we go backwards and forwards like this. <laughs> Waving it before the Lord. Yeah. Now a heave offering is the opposite. It goes up and down. Up and down. Side to side. A picture of the cross. Again, in these offerings, a picture of the cross. Normally, the wave offerings and the heave offerings, they were given eventually to the priest to eat. So they were given to God and given back. And this picture is if we give ourselves to him, he gives back. That's a wonderful picture there. 
And then he shall wave this before. So he waves the oil and the lamb in that way before, all right, before the Lord. Then the priest shall slay the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. So that was on the, in, the, in, the, in the temple precinct on the, on the offering there, on the, on the, burnt, the altar of burnt offering. In the holy place. For a sin offering is the priest, so is a trespass offering, as it's most holy. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, which this is the one we're talking about, and the priest shall put it on the, the tip of his right ear, his right thumb, and I'm not going to show you my right toe, on his big toe. Now what is all that about? Well, the Lord showed me that it's to do with Adam and Eve. Because what did Eve do? She listened first to Satan. And she believed what he said. So the ear had to be cleaned. Because she'd listened to the wrong thing. And she made her go astray. If she hadn't listened, she would have been fine. And so then when Adam would have been fine. The next thing, what did she do? It says she took the fruit. She used her hand to take the fruit. And the next thing she, they found, that they walked away from God. That was why it was the big toe. If you, if you wanted to stop somebody from walking and running away, you cut off their big toe. They can't run anymore. And so that's what happens. We can't run anymore when we, we, we're away from God. We can't get, we, 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 it disables us. So this man had his ear touched with the blood. His thumb touched with the blood, to cleanse him from what happened in the garden. And then the oil was done the same. And, she, right, and then the priest should take some of the pint of oil and pour it in the palm of his left hand, and the priest should dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and should sprinkle the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. Now, when you talk about the right hand, it's talking about the authority over a person's life. And it's, he's, this is the anointing. Now, interesting that this is the only other time, the only other time this is done, and the way this is done, is for a, the consecration of the priests. Now, why do you think that a person who's only just had leprosy is having a same, very, very similar, exactly the same ritual done on him as the priests are going to have done so that they can minister into the temple. Because they have to become a witness to serve before God. We become witnesses to serve our God. We become a holy nation, a pre nation of priests unto our God. Because he anoints our ear so that we can hear him. He anoints our thumbs so that we can work with our hands for him. He anoints our big toes so we can walk in his ways. That's what God does. He does it. That's what the anointing is for. It's so that we can hear God. If you need to minister and be have a ministry and have the gifts of God, you need to hear God. You need to be able to work and have a work ethic to open this Bible and study it and look at it. You need to have a work and also you need to learn to walk in the gospel of peace. You need to walk in the ways of God. 
And God does that by through his anointing on your life. That's what it's all about. The anointing on our life by the thing. So then, he sprinkled the oil on the person seven times, which is a, a, and shows that we're, we have a, a perfect anointing on us, because it teaches us all things. We've been cleansed from our hearing, our, our way we work, and the way we walk in this life. And those have been now set apart for God. And then what does he do? with the rest of the oil. And the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall pour on the head of him that is to be cleansed. And the priest shall make an atonement or a covering for him or a propitiation for him before the Lord. So he gets the rest of the oil. Well, I don't imagine there's a lot of, there's too much used up just by the sprinkling. So there's a whole, probably three quarters of a pint of oil poured all over his head. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Because he said, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will, will be witnesses. He said, I didn't, don't, he doesn't say you are to be witnesses. He says, you will be witnesses. Because when the Holy Ghost comes upon your life, you will be witnesses. <laughs> you will be. Look at Peter. He was a hopeless. Until the Holy Ghost got hold of his life. Every one of them were hopeless until God, the Holy Ghost, got hold of them. When Paul got, God got hold of him, it changed his life completely, just right, completely 180 degrees. Because he got filled with the Holy Ghost and God came upon his life. Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost, it said. And that's what, that is what the anointing is for. He pours it all over us. Not there is not just a little bit on our heads. It's three quarters of a pint at least, I reckon. <laughs> you would get deluged. And this is what, why we have to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because then we truly become witnesses to him. But the, the background of it is that he's done it all. And in this section you'll see you know, it's all the priest. It's all him. The priest shall do this, the priest shall do You go and have a look. The priest shall do it. It's him, it's Jesus who anoints us with the Holy Ghost. It's Jesus who does it. It's not us, it's him. All we have to do is be in the right place. We have to, do, we have to obey what he said. Not like the man who didn't obey. He didn't obey God. Didn't obey Jesus and he caused the witness of Jesus to be diminished at that point. You see. So if we will obey him, we'll recognize what Christ did on that cross, and he tied us with that red cord to himself by faith. And we entered into his death and resurrection. We have also entered, we've been anointed for a new life in Christ Jesus. With loads of oil pouring all over us, that's his anointing that comes upon our lives. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And that's just, Lord, so I, I woke up at four o'clock, three o'clock this morning, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, this, these are like windows. The fit, he said, they're like, these bits in the Old Testament are like windows. And when you open it, and you start looking out, you see the glory of what God has done. It transforms, makes real, 
the reality of what Christ has done for us. We were on the Bible study we were looking at in Galatians about the two, the two different types of the sons of Abraham, and the one who was by works and the one who was by faith and promise. And it was such a wonderful picture. And these pictures show that you, you, can live like this man, completely clean, completely free, full of the Holy Ghost, with oil poured all over you. You, you can hear God. Because he said, my sheep, hear my voice. Yeah. You see? Isn't it a wonderful picture, what he's done for us? He has caused us to be priests and kings before him, because that's what he has anointed us, to be Christ in where we are. Now, that might not be always with this, with this because that man, he, he, he should have been a witness by the way, what he did, what God told him to do. But he didn't. He went and blabbered what he thought he should do. He went and did his own thing, didn't he? But he shouldn't have been doing that. He should have been going to the priest so that the priest could have a witness and that, that, that the name of Jesus could be glorified and Jesus could preach through his situation. And he wants to preach through us, through our lives this morning, so that we become witnesses. And this is a challenge for me, and it's a challenge for all of us. But God shows us things that we can never, we, just so that we can enter into them this morning. So go home and read it again, and you'll get more out of it, because there's lots more in there, even what I've spoken about. There's so much in these passages in Leviticus, how much that he laid down his life so that we may have life and live in him in the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us this morning. Give us the faith. Help us to tie ourselves up with that red cord of faith to what you've done and what you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.